Why don't you turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 8? Let's not waste a lot of time today. Kids, take out your packets. Don't eat your candy first. If you don't know, you already ate your candy. Oh, no. You're supposed to save the best for last. Kids, what's our words for today? Either what? Submit or submission. So you're supposed to be listening today for either submit or submission. And I'm going to give you the bottom line up front, okay? So I'm going to already, already let you go ahead and fill in that bottom line. A wise person submits to God. Let's go home. That's good. That's, that's it. <laughs> A wise person submits to God. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. You know, when we talk about submission, usually we, there's a conversation in the church that revolves around husbands and wife and marriage, right? And it's usually the husbands that are going, see, I told you, you're, you're supposed to submit to your husband. Isn't that, isn't that usually the, the way it goes, wives? But the Bible has an awful lot more to, to say about submission, right? Like children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. Isn't that true? Talks in reference to children submitting Obeying your parents, isn't that right? Yeah, children say amen, parents say amen, amen. But there's a lot more that the scripture has to say. As a matter of fact, if you really want to take it as a whole, for those of us that are believers, we as believers, followers of Jesus, that should be our lifestyle to submit our lives to, to Christ. We're going to be followers of Jesus, that that should, that should be a, a characteristic of our lives is submission. We're going to talk about that today as we, as we look at Ecclesiastes chapter 8. But before we do that, let me, ask you, let me ask you a question today. I think maybe this is a really, good, a really good question. What do you think are the benefits of someone who, is, who has a life that is characterized by submission to God? So let's just say you've got somebody that, whose life is characterized by submission to God. What do you think are some of the benefits of that? This is a participation question. What are some of the benefits of a, of a, of a, of a, of a person? What are some of the benefits of a person who is living a, a life that's submitted to the Lord? What do you think some of the benefits might be? One person at a time. Raise your hand. Yes, Mike. Peace, good. Yes. Okay. Got it? Yes. Joy? Yes. A fulfilled life? A long fulfilled life. Yes, Dave? Trustworthy? What else? Yes, Diane? Purpose? Yes. Humbleness? What else? Yes, Bill? Contentment with what you have? What are some of the benefits of a, of a life submitted to the Lord? Yes, Roland. Caring. Caring. Benefits. Yes, Dottie. Freedom. Balcony. Yes, Joanne. Compassion for others. Yes. Church. Okay. What else? 
Submission to the Lord. Here's some. Peace of mind, blessing, wisdom, guidance, um, recognition of God's power, recognition of God's protection. And so here are some of the benefits. I mean, you guys have listed, and there are multitudes, I mean, of benefits of, of, recognition, of, of recognition and, and, and uh, benefits of, of being submissive to the Lord. And so if those are some of the benefits of wisdom, let me ask you a question. Here's another question. If those are some of the benefits, then why do we find it so hard to, to submit to the Lord? What? Daily routine interferences? Why do we find it so hard? If there are so many benefits to submission to the Lord, why do we find it so hard? Colleen? Selfishness? No way. Yes. We like our sin? Mm-hmm. What else? Pride? What else? Ego? We want to be in control. Lack of trust, the feeling of unworthiness, lack of humility, we just don't want to do it. The don't want to, fear, the lack of not wanting to get, not getting immediate satisfaction. Well, what we're going to talk about today is Solomon addresses some of the issues of what life is like in reference to submission. And we want to talk about that today. And uh, I want to be able to start off by reading a few verses, but before we do that, um, I have no clue why you're here today. I have no earthly idea what your past week has been like. I have no earthly idea what you've been dealing with this past week, what conflict you may be involved in, what tragedy you may uh, have been involved in, what stresses or what tensions there may be revolving in your life I don't have a clue I don't know if you're here because you're just a part of your regular routine um, as Jim has stated I don't know if you're here because you're really seeking to hear a word from the Lord I, this is what I can tell you I don't really have a lot to offer to you only thing I can have to offer you is what the Lord has given through his word but this is what I pray for you today that God's going to speak to you and he's going to give you something really special. I pray that today that he's going to give you something that will encourage you. I pray that today that, that as we read his word, that the Holy Spirit will open up your heart and your mind and you're going to hear something today that's going to be life-changing. And that if you're not living in a wise, a wise um, making wise choices, that today you'll, you'll be at that place to say, in Jesus, I... I want to I repent. Jesus, I want to I ask your forgiveness for not trusting you. And if you're not a believer for whatever reason today, that even today might be that day that you, that you say, Lord, I want to place my faith and my trust in you. And so I want to read some verses to you, and let's have a discussion and see what Solomon has to say. And I think what we're going to find today is that Solomon, even in his life and the wisdom that he had, comes to the conclusion of finding out and realizing that not even he was as wise as he thought he was. How about joining me in reading as we start off there in verse 1 of Ecclesiastes chapter 8. And this is what it reads. Verse 1, how wonderful to the wise to be wise, to analyze and interpret things. 
Wisdom lights up a person's face, softening its harshness. Obey the king. Since you vowed to God that you would, don't try to avoid doing your duty and don't stand with those who plot evil, for the king can do whatever he wants. His command is backed by great power. No one can resist or question it. Those who obey him will not be punished. Those who are wise will find a time and a way to do what is right. For there is a time and a way for everything, even when a person is in trouble. Indeed, how can a people avoid what they don't know is going to happen? None of us can hold back our spirit from departing. None of us has the power to prevent the day of our death. There is no escaping that obligation, that dark battle. And in the face of death, wickedness will certainly not rescue the wicked. I have often I have thought deeply about all that goes on here under the sun where people have the power to hurt each other. Would you pray with me today? Father, today as we talk about submission and as we read the words that Solomon penned many years ago, I I pray that you'll help us see the benefits and come to know that, Lord, that we can trust you in everything. Work within the inner parts of our hearts today. Help us to be honest with you. Father, help us to to hear that if there's something here that we need to hear, that regardless of what we think or feel, that God, that we can come to know that you trust us and that you have our best interest in mind. Father, I pray today that we would experience the depth of your unconditional love, regardless of where we've been, what mistakes we've made, and that we'd be able to feel the warmth of your embrace. Jesus, We need you today. May we recognize that. In your name we pray. Amen. So kids, I I told you up front, if we were going to shoot a bow and arrow, and we were shooting at a target, that bottom line or that target, that thing that we were shooting at, this is the sort of the, the target of it all. This is sort of the centerpiece. A wise person submits to God. So kids, why don't you say that with me? A wise person submits to God. Why don't you look at your parents and say, Mom and Dad or whoever, why don't you say that with me? A wise person submits to God. And if a wise person submits to God, why don't we, wanting to be wise, just go ahead and get it all over with and submit to God and and be wise, right? But there's a struggle that goes on within us because sometimes we wrestle with that. Because sometimes we have a hard time. We have a hard time because we want to be in control. We want to be in the guy in the, in the driver's seat. And there's a wrestling that takes place. But let's see what some of the things here that Solomon has to say. And if you want to write something down, you can write this down. First off, wisdom is valuable. Wisdom is valuable. And he says it right up front. How wonderful to be wise, to analyze and interpret things. Wisdom lights up a person's face, softening its, har- uh, softening its harshness. And last week we, says that we, we said that wisdom wasn't just the knowledge of God. You know, we talk about the knowledge of God. The Bible says that even the devils tremble at the mention of Jesus' name. You believe there is God? Great. That's awesome, the Scripture says. But even the devils tremble at the mention of Jesus' name. But a wise person just doesn't believe that. But they put the principles and they put God's Word into practice, the application of God's Word. The written word, they put it into into practice, and we found it, and we've already heard, and the kids have read it to us, the scripture that says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and wisdom brings about a reverence for God and and God's word. Wisdom helps us to see 
uh, things from God's point of view and respond accordingly. And wisdom is not always fair and it's not always logical. And early on in, in Solomon's life, when David had died and Solomon became king, and in 1 Kings chapter 3, we see when, when uh, Solomon became king that he was, he was uh, in the middle of a dream and a vision one night. The, the Lord came to him and said, listen, I want to grant you something. What is it that you wanted? Out of all the things that Solomon could have asked for, riches, wealth, extension of kingdom, and of all the things that Solomon could have asked for, the one thing that he asked for was what? Wisdom. Wisdom that he could govern his people. I mean, he could have asked for a bigger chariot. He could have asked for a bigger castle. I mean, he could have asked for a tremendous amount of things, but he asked for wisdom. And God was so impressed by that. But God said, no, I'm just not going to give you wisdom, and I'm also going to increase your riches, and I'm going to increase your fame so that no other king can be compared to you. And maybe if there was a moral to the story, it would be this, that wisdom applied results also in blessing. And there in verse 2 and verse 3, it says to obey the king. Obey the king since you vowed to God that you would. Don't try to avoid doing your duty and don't stand with those who plot evil for the king can do whatever he wants. And if you want to write this down, a wise person respects God's authority and always obeys. You know, in the New Testament... Caleb and I were discussing this when we were talking about his devotional in Romans chapter 13. If you know anything about what Paul spoke, Paul said, listen, God's the one who puts authorities in place. Respect authority. Respect those that, uh, that God places in a part authority. And here Paul writes this to the church at Rome at a time, and he reminds the believers the responsibility of placing themselves underneath those in authority. And if you know anything about that time, there was a man by the name of Nero who just happened to be in leadership during that time. And I was telling Caleb this morning, Nero was known for, for, his, for his annex. This was a crazy leader. I mean, they say he killed his mom. They say he killed his first wife and killed his second wife. I don't think I would have wanted to be, have been his third wife. He was also known for, for, setting, this, for setting Rome on fire and, and blaming it on the Christians. I mean, this was just a crazy leader. And here's Paul saying, submit yourself to those under authority that God is the one that puts them in place. And I can imagine the Roman believers going, you got to be kidding me. you got to be crazy. But no. And yet, how many times do we whine about people in places of authority? You had any conversations about who's in places of authority, people in places of authority or positions of authority lately? Any conversations about who's in the... White House? Any conversations about who might be in the White House? Who has been in the White House? What about conversations about maybe praying for those in positions of authority instead of talking bad about them? What about instead of ranting and raving on social media about those in positions of authority? What about believing that God is the one that's ultimately in control and that we can trust Him and that God's put us in places that we can lift them up and understand that God is the ultimate authority? Have you ever understood or, 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 or realized that maybe that we have little ears that are listening to every word that we say and that with those words that we speak, we're teaching them how to place themselves underneath or to be challengers of those in authority. That's an oh me, isn't it? 
That's a big deal. Now, there are exceptions. We find it in Acts chapter 4. I mean, here's Peter and John in the Sanhedrin. They're preaching the gospel. They're talking about the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. They approach them and they, they put them in jail and they come to them and say, listen, you can't talk about this resurrection of Jesus Christ anymore. No more. It's causing too many problems. And their response was, listen, salvation is found in no one else. And how in the world can we not talk about that which we've seen and that which we've heard? We're going to do it. There are those exceptions. And they said, if it means that we're going to be arrested, then so be it. But we will honor God. Can I just say this? This isn't grandma's world anymore. Times are going to get tougher, people. A lot tougher. Sometimes people ask me, well, how will we respond in a, in a culture where becoming a Christian is becoming less and less popular? My prayer is that we will continue to preach the gospel and that we will continue to live as Jesus has called us to live in the culture in which we have been called to live. That we will not just have church on Sunday mornings, but we will continue to penetrate the culture and live as Jesus called us to live so that others may come to know Christ, that we will grow spiritually by spending time in the Word. And didn't Brooke do a great job this morning? The only thing you don't have to do is get down on your knees like that. The time will come and she won't be able to do that one day. Maybe her knees will get old and decrepit. But I pray that we would continually grow spiritually, and the more that we would grow spiritually, that we would understand the importance of not just that, but we would share life together. And then we would use what God has given us to be able to share in, in, this, in this journey, share our talents and abilities so that others would not only be able to serve them, but they would come to know Christ. You know, the past week I've spent up north, and I'll probably have to go back this week, um, dad's had hip surgery, and and uh, a hip replacement, it's been pretty tough. Listen, as you get older, boy, lots of things change, don't they? <clears throat> Goodness gracious, alive. Uh, I've done things this past week that you think you'd never have to do. I have a great appreciation for growing older. And some of the roles have changed. But I'm just reminded of, of the great need that we have for supporting one another. And also the fact that so many people these days don't have anybody. So many people don't have the body of Christ. So many people don't have the support of the family. There were, there were rooms that were filled with people that had nobody. Not even a visitor the whole time that they were there. Nobody to see them. Nobody to talk to them. And I thought to myself, what will they do when they get home? What will happen? But how will we respond? But the day is coming in America when we will experience persecution. And it will happen. And I believe it will happen within our time. We just happen to, we happen to live in a bubble here in this little central Florida area. But persecution has already happened around, it's already happening in places around our nation. But it will become more popular and it will become more often. That's just a side note. But write this down also. 
The wise person respects the sovereign of the king. It says in verse 4, his, his command is backed by great power. No one can resist it or question it. No private has the right to say any general, to any general, hey, man, what are you doing? You can't do that. Because the general is what? That's the man that's in charge. That's the big dog. The king is where the, the power is because he's the one that is in charge. The king can do what he pleases. It says in Psalms chapter 115 verse 3 that our God is in heaven and he is on the throne and he can do what he pleases. And in Matthew chapter 28 it says this, that all authority, Jesus said all authority has been given to who? To me in heaven and on earth. And since Jesus is in that place of authority, who in the world are we to be able to question him? Yet how many times do we do that? How many times do we question as we walk through, through life, Jesus, why? God, why? Can you imagine what life would be like if God were to take our advice? Think about that for a second. God, I can't believe that you allowed this to take place. I mean, don't you think that this person ought to be elected or this event ought to happen? God, I can't believe that you allowed this Supreme Court decision to be made. God, don't you know what's going on? Don't you have a clue? Yeah, he does. <laughs> he knows exactly what's going on. Yet how many times do we, do we think that we know more than he does? Or in verse 5, you can write this down. The person who obeys God does not need to fear the king. Let's put it in a little bit more common terms. Maybe you ran that red light on the way to church this morning. Maybe you had the blue lights flashing in the background. All of a sudden, you look down at your speedometer just to see how fast you were going, right? You know, the, guy's not, the guy that's not cheating the IRS doesn't have to worry about that phone call. The guy that pays his bills doesn't have to worry about the phone call. You know, um, Bob, the guy that's out fishing and, des and decides to, uh, to throw back that, that small redfish doesn't have to worry about the fishing game coming after him, right? Yeah. The guy that obeys the law doesn't have to fear the law. The guy who obeys the king doesn't have to fear the king. But we all know that authority can be abused, and we've seen it in our communities, and we've seen it in the news, and we've, we've experienced it maybe from time to time. I was coming back from, from uh, Nicaragua, and I think it was the time that we had been in the jungle, and I had, had taken some, some fishing gear with me, just in case. Listen, I'm going to find a way to eat. <laughs> just telling you. So I had taken some fishing line, a few pieces of fishing tackle, and I had it, and I had put it in a bag, and I didn't, and it was in the wrong bag, and so I had put my luggage through, and I was coming through, and I had my backpack on, and, and they stopped me there coming through customs as I was getting ready to leave, and they said, said no, and started pointing at my bag, and I said, there's nothing in here, and they started checking my bag, and they started pointing at my fishing gear, and I, or just some tackle, that's all it was, and I said, no, that's legal, mm-mm. I said, it's legal. And you know, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> I said, it's legal. <laughs> no, it's not, you know. And, and uh, so I said, you stay right here. I'm going back. And uh, so I went back to the girls back over on the American side, and they said, listen, there's not a thing we can do. They do this all the time. It's their country. 
They make the rules. It's legal. It's perfectly legal. But I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. They've seen something they want. They're going to take it from you. And they're going to tell you to put it in that box. And then when you walk by, and when you're gone, the guy that wants it's going to reach in there and take it out. He's going to put it in his pocket, and he's going to be gone. You just might as well get used to it. That's just the way it goes. I was mad as a hornet. Wasn't nothing I can do about it. It was an abuse of authority. It wasn't right, but I just had to get over it. It wasn't worth $10 worth of tackle to get in the fuss there with him in the Nicaragua and have to stay in Nicaragua for a while. Very thankful for law enforcement. I'm very thankful for the people that have been called to protect and serve us, those that are in authority. But I also know that authority can be abused. Maybe you've experienced that in the workplace. Maybe you've experienced that in another position. But the scripture says that we've been, we've been called to obey the law. And when we do, we ought not have to fear. You can write this down as well. The wise seek to do the right thing at the right time. He says there in verse 5, Those who obey him will not be punished. Those who are wise will find a time and a way to do what is right. For there is a time and a way for everything, even when a person is in trouble. Verse 7e, indeed, how can people avoid what they don't know that is going to happen? None of us can hold back our spirit from departing. None of us has the power to prevent the day of our death. There's no escaping that ob obligation, the dark battle. And in the face of death, wickedness will certainly, certainly not rescue the wicked. So the wise person wants to do the right thing at the right time. The problem is, is that we struggle with the issue of time. Because how many of us think that we've got enough time? How many of us think that we've got plenty of time? The problem is time. We always think that, well, I've got plenty of time. I can do that later. It comes down to with an issue of priorities. We put things off that are really important thinking that we've got tomorrow. And kids, we talked about this a few weeks ago and you weren't in here, but we said there were really two types of time in reference to the Greek that there was what they called chronos, which was basically measured time, that there was days, months, years, just like time on a watch. It was measured time, we could measure it. And then there was chaos, which was like, it was a different type of time. It was like uh, opportunity, that, that if you didn't grab that time, it would be gone. And so if you, it was very easy to miss that opportunity. So there were some words, we've maybe used it before. Uh, get it while you can. Maybe you've heard that. You better get it while you can. Because if you don't, you're going to miss out. Better grab it. Because when it's, when it's gone, it's slipped by, you can't get it, you can't get it back. How many of us have missed out on something that's really important? And you wish you could go back and have another chance. Meredith and I got a phone call last night of a dear friend that passed away unexpectedly. Dear, dear friend. We still don't know now how I, how I passed away. We just know that he passed away. Wish that I would have known so that we could have talked to him yesterday. We just didn't know. How many times have we missed those opportunities and we've been too late? How many times have we wished that we had the opportunity to say goodbye, but we were too late? But the wise person listens to the Holy Spirit and does the right thing at the right time. 
And when we listen to the Holy Spirit, the wise person knows that the Spirit will guide us to do what we need to do when we need to do it. That's important. How many of us have missed the opportunity to share the gospel, share the hope? Because we thought we had another chance. When's the last time you engaged another person in a conversation about the hope of Christ or you just sort of put it off? It wasn't too long ago that I was in a conversation with somebody that was very grieved over the fact that they had missed that opportunity. It was a family member. And they were grieved over the fact that they had never, ever, even though they felt very convicted, they never, ever took that opportunity because they thought there would always be that extra time. That extra time. When's the last time that you even cared enough to even engage a person in a conversation about the gospel that you knew was unsaved? When's the last time you intentionally planned a a mom's day out or a mom's day meeting where you knew somebody that didn't know the Lord and instead of just about being a play date talking with kids and talking about life and all the things your husband's wasn't doing right, that you sat down and you talked about life and you talked about death and you talked about the reality that one day we'll have to stand before the Lord and give an account of our lives. You talked about the love of Jesus and the hope that he offers. When's the last time that is a, at a lunch date that it wasn't just about business, but it was about listening to see maybe where a friend was at and, and, and how you might be able to offer that opportunity of cutting in and, and saying, listen, have you ever... Have you ever um, just thought about the difference that Jesus Christ makes? When's the last time? When's the last time you've had the privilege of being part of somebody coming to know and make a decision to follow Jesus? When's the last time? We should always be ready. What a blessing the other day to get a call, phone call from Myra. Uh, Myra had called and the greatest part of the blessing wasn't the fact just that she called and that she, had, she was sharing with me uh, the, the conversation that she had had with a lady that she had happened to have met and their conversation about the Lord. But what blessed me the most was the fact that she was intentionally looking for that opportunity to share the gospel. That's what blessed me the most. No, the lady didn't make a decision to follow Christ. But she was pursuing her. And I thought, man, what a great, what a great testimony. And we don't know the ending of the story yet, Myra, but I have to believe that you planted a seed there that day. And out of the tragedy of your life, you were able to identify with the tragedy of her life and be able to share with her what God had done in your life. And I believe that God not only one day will bring that to fruition, but you were intentional. You were seeking. You were seeking. And you were looking. And the Holy Spirit said, here it is. And you said, God, I'm available. You wanted to make the most of that opportunity. Our time out at the park on August the 14th is more than just a, we're not going to meet here, but it's an opportunity. It's a time for you to be able to bring your friends that don't know the Lord. That's what it is. It's a time for you to bring friends that may not come to inside of a church building because they're afraid. It's a time for you to invite somebody that maybe normally wouldn't come and and to invite them to come, it's, it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a neat time as we share. There'll be baptisms and there'll be 
This will be some testimonies of what God has done in some people's lives, and we'll share life over a meal. And, and if you've got some friends, man, that's a great opportunity. It's an, it's an opportunity for you to invite somebody inside to an environment where we can welcome them, and they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to offer that to you. But Solomon goes on in verse 9, he says, I've, I've thought deeply about all that goes on here under the sun where people have the power to hurt each other. And write this down, the wise don't abuse their authority to harm. They don't abuse their authority and harm others. I mean, it can be very, very difficult when you have to deal with people in authority that are oppressive and harsh. And what's that old saying? Power corrupts absolute, power corrupts absolutely. But the wise person knows that the authority that they have been given that it's come from God, and they are to use that, that power wisely. In Matthew 20, I love the story of, 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 of Jesus, and here he is at such a crucial moment in his life, and here's James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and their mother approaches Jesus and says, listen, Jesus, you know, I know all these things that are taking place, and, but I, I just want to ask you, listen, I just want to know if you'll give my sons, if you'll give them a special place, let one to be able to sit on the left and one to be able to sit on the right. And other guys are like going, Mom, what, what are you doing? I mean, this has got to be such an embarrassing moment for these two guys. And then again, the disciples listening in, I, there's no telling what in the world they thought. And Jesus' response was, I have, you have no idea. You have no understanding. You, you have no clue what you're asking. But that's not my call. That's my father's to make. And the disciples were probably so upset because they didn't think about asking that up front themselves. But Jesus sits them all down and he says this. He says, people, I want you to understand this. The authority in this world, they flaunt their power and position. But you, you my disciples, you'll be different. And if you want to be great, you must first become a servant. Because the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for others. And regardless if we agree, ultimately, each one of us, regardless of our position or power, there's going to come a time when every one of us will bow our knee and we will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I was in that conversation in the, in the hospital room this past week with a family member sitting there in the hospital room talking with my dad and this family member, and they you know, I just don't understand. I've tried my best to understand. I don't understand how God can be so powerful and the only God. And I don't understand how this and he can be the supreme being. And as best as I could, I said, listen, you need to go back and you need to read the book of Ecclesiastes. Because as smart as you are, I wanted to say this, you're pretty dumb. And I finished off the conversation very kindly and very affectionately by saying exactly that. There will come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, regardless of what we believe, because that's what the Scripture has to say. And he says, I believe that. I just struggle. And I said, I wish I could help you, but I can't do anything else. And he said, I remember those times that Mama would sit us on the bed and she would read those stories and she would talk about Jesus. But I just wrestle. I just wrestle. Write this down. The paradox between God's sovereignty and evil. Verse 10. I've, I've seen wicked people buried with honor. 
Yet they were the very ones who frequented the temple are now praised in the same city where they committed their crimes. This too is meaningless. And I'll give you three things. The problem with hypocrisy. Anybody know any hypocrites? Look to the person on your left. There's one. Look to the person on your right. There's another. Now you can say you've seen a hypocrite. Look in the mirror when you get home. There's another one. All right? The world is full of hypocrites. And Solomon says, look, how in the world is it you can go to the temple, turn right around, and walk out and be nasty? When's the last time you've been to a funeral and you've heard people say, man, that was the best, that was the kindest, most sweetest woman I think I've ever met in my life. And they walk out and go, why in the world did they say all those crazy things? That woman was something else. She was all but that. Solomon said, I don't understand it. And then he goes on to talk about the delayed judgment. Verse 11, when a crime is not punished quickly, people feel it's safe to do wrong. Or in other words, you know, why is it that sometimes we think, well, if I got away with it once, I think I can get away with it again. You ever been there? Well, if I didn't get caught that time, maybe I can. And Solomon says, listen. Why is that? God, if you're so powerful and you're so sovereign, why in the world do you not just get it over with now? It would solve so many problems. Why do you have to wait? Why do you have to wait? Judge it now. Our thought is the longer you hold out and don't punish, the more it just encourages others to be able to sin more. And as believers, we're like going, punish them now, punish them now, punish them now. But what about the non-believer? I think about that passage of Scripture in, in 2 Peter. The Lord is, is, really, is really being slow about His promises. Some may think He's not being slow, but no, He's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but He wants everyone to repent. But the problem with delayed judgment is this. It causes evil to increase. Why does God allow that? But those of us believers, we better recognize this, that there is coming a day when, when He will judge because He is a just God. He's a just God. There are consequences. But he causes us to go, why does he allow that? Why does he allow that to take place? The third one is the problem with evil people being blessed. We talked about this before, verses 12 through 15. But even though a person sins a hundred times and still lives a long time, I know that those who fear God will be better off. The wicked will not prosper for they do not fear their days will never grow long like the evening shadows. And this is not all that is meaningless in our world. In this life, good people are often treated as though they, are, they were wicked. And wicked people are often treated as though they were good. This is so meaningless. So I recommend having fun because there's nothing better for people in this world than to eat and drink and enjoy life. That way they will experience some happiness along the way. Along with all the hard work God gives them under the sun. How is it that an evil person prospers? Hmm. It's easy as a Christ follower to get discouraged in those moments, isn't it? To have your eyes set on somebody and watching and seeing what's taking place and to see here you are giving your best and in the middle of that you see somebody on the other side that's, man, they're just, they're just at it. And you see what seems to be a blessing. That blessing is only temporary. It will not last. It's temporary. It's short-lived. Blessings follow obedience. 
I promise you, it may not be immediate, but God's promises are true. And Solomon emphasizes several times that the wisdom flows out of the fear of the Lord. The life of Job in the Old Testament. Job, here he was a man who was blameless and upright. As good as he was, how much did he suffer? He suffered tremendously. Even his wife said, just curse God and get it over with. His friend said, what in the world are you doing wrong? What sin have you committed that nobody knows about that you're walking through all of these times of difficulty? How much pain and suffering? Man, what in the world is going on in your life behind the scenes that people can't see? And yet God's hand was on Job the entire time, and God was refining his life. And hear this, Job's pain and, his, and the punishment that he was walking through was not a sign of God's anger, but it was part of his sanctification. And the struggles that we walk through doesn't mean that there's something wrong, and it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us, and it doesn't mean the difficulty and the adversity doesn't demonstrate that, man, that listen, God's out to get us. But it may be saying that God's out doing something and wanting to do something in our lives and demonstrate His greatness to those that are around us. But this is what I know, that in the middle of those times, it's really easy to want to give up, isn't it? And as long as we have an earthly perspective, a temporary perspective, it's very easy to not be able to grasp the eternity or the life that is to come. And so what Solomon says is, listen, in the earthly realm of thinking, when those times come, it's just best to go out and eat, drink, be merry, have a great time. But let me tell you what, if you have an eternal perspective, when you walk through difficult times, if you believe that God is in control, and if you believe that God is on the throne, and if you believe that God is for you instead of against you, when you walk through the times of difficulty, you can take and you can go back to the cross and you can believe that Jesus is for you and that he's demonstrated his love for you and that he is up for something that is for good. And you've got an assurance that he loves you. Is it going to be easy? No, it's not going to be easy. But I promise you, you have the ability to be able to have something to hold on to understand that his blessings are eternal. And the last thought is this. That paradox between God's sovereignty and evil, you will never be able to solve that tension. It will never make sense to you unless the Lord resolves it within your mind. Unless the Holy Spirit brings it to, uh, reveals that to you. It is impossible for you be, to be able to reveal, uh, understand that tension that's there. He says in verse 16, and I close out in search for wisdom and my observation of people's burdens here on earth, I have discovered that there is a ceaseless activity day and night. I realize that no one can discover anything, everything God is doing under the sun. Not even the wisest people discover everything, no matter what they claim. Wow. Under the sun, S-U-N, life is meaningless and no hope. Life under the sun, S-O-N, in Jesus, there is hope. There is meaning and there is purpose. And therefore... It would be very, very wise for us to recognize and to try to grasp what Solomon had to say and to say, Jesus, if you said it, I believe it. 
If your word teaches it, I want to grasp it. I want to obey it. Because a wise person does what? Submits to God. Let me ask you this question as we close. What area of your life are you struggling? What are you wrestling with today? What area of your life is there a tension that you've yet to give over to him? What's an area of your life that maybe you need to sit down and talk to somebody and say, I need some encouragement in this area? What's an area that you're wrestling with? What's an area of your life that you don't trust God to be God and do what he said he'll do? Why aren't you willing to submit? If we said earlier that the blessings, and we listed a whole bunch of benefits and blessings of a wise person being obedient to God, why aren't you willing to be that today and to do that today? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the opportunity for us to be able to, to be a part. I pray that your word today will speak to our hearts. And as we leave here, uh, Lord, that uh, we leave here with something that will encourage us to help us grow spiritually. Now, as we leave, I pray that, Lord, that you would speak in our hearts as we go about our duties this next week. Help remind us this next week that we're your ambassadors. Father, that just in the one point, there may be that there's some of us that have just been thinking about this one person in our lives, and, and we know that they're not a believer. Father, even right now, I pray that you would bring their name to our mind, that this next week, maybe we would even as go as far as to set a meeting, just, just to talk to them about Jesus and about the hope that he brings. Even now, there's a family that may, that may Lord, that you may call, call somebody here to call them, to invite them to come uh, on that, that day on the 14th to that, that church service out at, the, out, at, out at the lake. There may be somebody here today, Lord, that don't know you and is struggling submitting to you because they don't know you. I pray even this morning they may come to me after this service when we finish our prayer and they would say, would you just talk to me more about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus? Father, may we leave this place different than what we came. May we demonstrate wisdom this next week in our lives as we seek to submit to you in every part. May we become more Christ-like and may we be your billboards. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.